Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. Today's Tuesday, February 6th. I'm Stephen Overly. In the wake of the 2020 presidential race, as former President Donald Trump was spreading false claims about a stolen election, a conflict ignited between far right Republicans and a key federal cybersecurity agency. That was the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. And over three years later, the political tensions are still running high. Politico cybersecurity reporter John Sacalariatis tells me they are now causing private sector experts to abandon a program called the Joint Cyber Defense Collaborative, which aims to bring government and industry together to protect American infrastructure from hackers. In cybersecurity, responsibility is divided between the government, the private sector, kind of the nonprofit world. They're each grasping at one small part of this larger puzzle. And if you can't bring them together effectively to kind of solve that problem, the country will suffer consequences as a result. A couple of acronyms for you. The JCDC is shorthand for the Joint Cyber Defense Collaborative. And CISA is the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. You'll hear those acronyms throughout today's show as John and I delve into the partisan politics that is undermining U.S. cybersecurity. John, welcome to Politico Tech. Thanks for having me. Of course. So you've written a story for Politico about cybersecurity experts who are retreating from this Biden administration program. It's called the Joint Cyber Defense Collaborative. And one of the people you interviewed actually called it a dumpster fire. That's the quote from your story. So what's going on with this program? About three years ago, the Biden administration launched this program called the Joint Cyber Defense Collaborative to enlist some of the company's biggest uh, tech providers, as well as smaller security firms, nonprofits, cybersecurity organizations in the fight against kind of malicious hackers. Fast forward three years, and that initiative, which the Biden administration has kind of sold as this really transformative approach to dealing with cybersecurity threats, is kind of facing some big issues. The outsiders who the government has kind of brought in as volunteers to help it in this fight are basically stepping away, kind of retreating from the effort due to a combination of problems, practical and political. As you said, this program got its start in 2021, and it came about as a way to bring all those players together who you just mentioned, industry and government. What exactly does it do, though? So there are two pillars of the JCDC, which, by the way, is supposed to be a, you know, allusion to ACDC, the rock band, (laughs) the famous rock band. But um, (laughs) is that right? That's where the name comes from. Yeah. Um, So one pillar of the effort is supposed to be kind of long term cyber defense planning with the government and industry. Picture this as like the head of the agency, top, you know, cybersecurity officials in the, in the Biden administration working with senior leadership in major tech companies at, you know, water providers, energy companies, all the critical parts of the economy that the government is afraid could get hit with cyber attacks. The second half is this kind of day to day. The government calls it operational collaboration, air quotes, kind of day to day fight against malicious hackers. And the JCDC has this Slack channel that's supposed to be one of the main vehicles for kind of bringing together outside researchers, industry groups and the government on a day to day basis to kind of identify, triage and mitigate threats, you know, rapidly. And the story is about a lot of the folks who've been pulled in to help on help in on that, you know, stepping away because they found it so kind of dysfunctional. 
Got it. So they're all just on this Slack channel sharing information about new cyber threats, you know, emerging attacks, what to look out for, that sort of thing. Exactly. Except as a bunch of the folks told me, they're not really sharing anything anymore and they've kind of given up on it. Well, that's the thing is this, this all seems to be crumbling. And as you said, there are a couple of reasons that these cyber experts are backing away. But a major one is backlash from far right Republicans. Why are conservatives so critical of this program? So conservative criticism is targeted at CISA. It's targeted at a separate set of external partners that the agencies worked with in the past. And then recently in December, there was kind of a wave of conservative criticism of this nonprofit cyber defense group that worked with CISA before the creation of the JCDC. But because that criticism surfaced recently, because it involved researchers who remain active in the JCDC or who are friends with the, with individuals in this other group, it had this symbolic impact on the JCDC's operations today. The kind of intense scrutiny that conservatives have of CISA, their lack of trust of pretty much everything the agency puts out there now, has led them to question even this apolitical, I called it once in my interview, a meat and potato type cybersecurity work of identifying vulnerabilities and like fixing them in critical infrastructure, which is what the JCDC does or is supposed to do. That's what's interesting to me about this story is the criticism is not necessarily about what exactly this cyber collaborative does. It is really part of this broader criticism conservatives have of how this cybersecurity agency in the past has handled election misinformation. The collaborative we're talking about here, as you said, it is part of this cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency, which actually was created by former President Donald Trump. Exactly. But it's been criticized in the past by his supporters and by the former president himself. Tell me a little bit more of that backstory there and, and how exactly that criticism really came about. One simple way to think about this is that the then director of CISA, Chris Krebs, in 2020, shortly after the election, released this statement saying that the 2020 election was the safest, most credible election in history. And he promptly got fired by Trump for that claim. So, I mean, that's the simplest way to think about this conflict. Over the last several months, in particular, as we've seen the House flip from Democrats to Republicans, there has been intense scrutiny of, of the agency's work, in particular led by Jim Jordan's weaponization committee in the House. They put together a major report on the agency alleging that CISA is, quote, the nexus of the Biden administration's, again, quote, censorship apparatus. That's the root of the conservative scrutiny of the agency now, three years later. So CISA right now, along with a couple other government agencies, are facing this lawsuit that's pending before the Supreme Court. It was brought by a group of conservative attorneys general. It relates back to the disinformation work the agency did in 2020 that I mentioned before. And the lower courts in that case have found that CISA and other agencies, quote, likely violated the First Amendment through their work to work with uh, major Silicon Valley tech platforms and outside researchers to kind of identify disinf disinformation and through kind of the, you know, levers on these different tech platforms to moderate content to, you know, downplay stuff that would include election related disinformation. CISA denies those charges, by the way. But there is kind of this legitimate question that, that people will talk about of, you know, what role should tech platforms the government play in moderating content on this politically sensitive topic of disinformation? Now, the backlash from conservatives surrounding this case has had this kind of snowball effect on CISA. You've had more than 100 House Republicans in the late fall voted to slash the agency's budget 25 percent, even though CISA, that disinformation work is a tiny percentage of what they do. 
So that's sort of the the conservative criticism of this program. The other reason that cybersecurity experts are retreating from it is, you know, they say these attempts between government and industry to really coordinate have been kind of rocky. This has not really been the smoothest process. What are the issues with how the program itself is just operating? So that's another big part of the story here. The Major criticisms from outsiders right now are that CISA has basically not staffed the JCDC with the technical talent that's needed to really make the thing work. So internally, one of the things I learned for the story, the JCDC is staffed by about 200 employees at CISA. And one former agency employee told me that only roughly a dozen CISA slightly contests that figure have like a strong technical background. So that means that this kind of hub that's supposed to be a place for the sharing of, you know, cutting edge information on cyber threats that are affecting the nation on a day to day basis doesn't have individuals kind of on the receiving end at the government to make sense of what analysts try to pass them. So that's one of the big reasons why outsiders have basically stopped contributing to this threat sharing forum because they're saying this is not going anywhere. And in fact, one of the things I point to in the story is a couple instances where people have passed the agency information and it's taken so long to get where it's supposed to go that, for example, one company got hit by a ransomware attack. When I think about the big picture here, I mean, cybersecurity is more critical than ever. I mean, the surge in connected devices, the surge now in artificial intelligence, and at the same time, cyber attacks from adversaries like China and other hackers are full on. You know, we heard that last week. There was a hearing on the Hill where basically the head of every major cybersecurity agency, right, said that cyber attacks on our infrastructure from China are a major threat. So with all of that in mind, what are the stakes if programs like this falter? Yeah, I think you just put it perfectly. I mean, CISA founded this program in 2021 under the premise that the cyber attacks the country was seeing then were unacceptable and the government needed to try something radically different to kind of flip the script against malicious hackers. 2021, as a quick refresher, was back when we had the attack on Colonial Pipeline, the major natural gas pipeline where folks were kind of rushing to to gas stations with plastic bags to make sure they weren't affected by a fuel shortage personally. So it was a major triggering moment for all of this. You know, three years later, it's hard to say we're in a fundamentally different position. You know, we have not seen Colonial Pipeline Part 2 yet, but, you know, folks who follow this space closely are really nervous about kind of where, you know, the country's cyber defenses are today. Obviously, the JCDC isn't the one single kind of solution. There's no silver bullet in cybersecurity. There's a lot of other agencies, initiatives underway to address these problems. This is just one part of the picture. But I think it's the struggles this initiative is facing are really important because it gets to the heart of this long standing problem in cybersecurity of how do you get, you know, the government, these outside hackers together in the same room, effectively kind of triaging this stuff, because everybody is just seeing one small part of the puzzle. And if you can't bring them together effectively, it could really leave large parts of the of the country of kind of our digital economy at risk. So I think that's what's at stake in kind of following the progress of something like the JCDC. John, listen, appreciate all your insight and thank you for being here on Politico Tech. Thank you so much for having me, Stephen. That's all for today's Politico Tech. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our managing producer is Annie Reese, and our producer is Afra Abdullah. Our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. 
I'm Stephen Overly. See you back here tomorrow.